Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Living in Liberty has been the series of talks we've been on. Uh, so let's get our Bibles out this morning. We believe here at the Rhodes Church every time we open our Bible, God's got something to say to us. So we always get a little bit hyped about it, get a little excited, get a little emotional. It's not uh, superficial, but we just believe in celebrating Jesus. So if you don't mind getting a little excited, if you have your Bibles this morning, let's open them up to Galatians chapter 5. Woo! Come on, Mount Carmel. I saw you cheering last week. You guys are bringing it. Love me. E-Rhodes family. I've seen people doing recordings, uh, watching uh, E-Rhodes family from their house, and they do the woo whenever they turn their Bibles in their house. We love it, love it, love it. Living in liberty. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse uh, 1. The sermon notes are available there on the YouVersion Bible app, or we also have the actual paper form for the first time. Again, today, if you're sitting in one of our congregations, one of our locations. I got the chair again and the table. I'm going to do my best to sit down once in a while, but uh, I didn't do so well in the first service, so pray for me. Galatians chapter 5. I'll find it here. Ready? Verse 1. You with me? Listen, I went three months with nobody in the room, so I need a little more. Come on, Mount Carmel. Carry, carry the crap. All right, let's do it together. Verse 1. Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You become estranged from Christ, and you who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace." For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you just speak through me today. I pray that you will inspire every word that comes out of my mouth, that it will bring you glory and bring you honor. Lord, I pray for your presence here in North City, in Mount Carmel, Every family member, every person watching online, everyone listening to the podcast, I pray that your presence be with them now and you bring life to this word, that you will cut to our hearts, that you will encourage us, you will exhort us, God, you will build us up because of your presence. God, I thank you for signs and wonders to be done today through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 1. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Stand fast. What does it mean to stand fast? Stand fast is just one Greek word, and it means this. There's a, a variety of definitions. I put them all together there for you. It means to be stationary, to persevere, to continue in a state, stand firm in faith and duty, to be constant to be steadfast, I like this one, to hold one's ground or maintain a position. Now notice when this verse starts off, it starts off stand fast. And the word stand fast is a verb. It's an imperative verb that means like to give a command, an instruction, an exhortation. In other words, hey, do this. 
It's not necessarily that someone is doing it, but it's an encouragement for you to do it. And when you start out, come on, English people, help me out. When you start out a sentence with a verb, what is the subject? It's understood you. So you could also read this verse in in, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. You could read it this way. You could say, you stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. You. So when you read it, you know it's talking to me. Look at your neighbor and say, it's talking to you. It's all about you. Just tell them. They believe it anyway, so just go ahead and tell them. It's all about you. It's all about you. Stand stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. So if it's telling us to be stationary, to persevere, to stand firm, be constant and hold one's ground, maintain a position where? If that's what stand fast means, to hold our position, maintain ground, be firm, be constant, persevere, stand fast, therefore, in what? In the... Are we following along? So I'm just making sure. Stand fast, therefore, in the... Liberty, yeah, in the liberty. So I got to hold my ground. I got to maintain my position. I got to persevere. I got to be constant, be firm in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. So, what does it mean by liberty? If I got to stand firm in that, stand fast in that, hold my position, don't give up ground, what does that mean to stand in liberty? What is liberty? I'm glad you asked. Here's the answer. According to the Greek, it's a word that means personal freedom, so you're in mind, personal freedom. It's not, this is important, i got to stand up for this, <laughs> and then I'll go back and sit down. It's not generic freedom, it's your and my personal freedom. There's a difference in everyone having freedom available and me walking in freedom. There's a difference in freedom being available and freedom being applied. And what he's saying, this is personal freedom from three things. I had to come back down. Three things. Personal freedom from servitude. What does servitude mean? Servitude means a condition which one lacks liberty to determine one's course of action or way of life. Oh, oh, this is the freedom to choose. Freedom to choose. Jesus gave us liberty. And that first part of liberty is that we have a right, we have an ability to choose, to choose if we want to change our life. We have the freedom of choice. In other words, you're not stuck where you are without a choice. What's happening in our world is the enemy is going to try, and i got to stand up for this, I'm just saying, I just got to stop worrying about sitting down, stand up. You just flow with it, okay? Maybe I need to get rid of the chair. But anyway, it's just like... What the world's trying to tell is it will try, the enemy will try to bring circumstantial evidence to you and tell you this is the way it is and you have no choice. But liberty tells you you have a choice. It may be a hard choice. It may be a tough choice. It may be like, man, that's going to be hard. But you have a choice. You have a say-so in the direction of your life. Don't ever let the devil tell you you're stuck where you are. I got a choice, baby. I know I've been screwing up the last 20 years of my life, but today I wake up with a choice. Wake up with a choice because your Bible tells you, choose you this day whom you will serve. Maybe yesterday you didn't serve God. Well, guess what? You have a present this morning. It's called a choice, baby. It's called a choice to live for Jesus. Every day you get up and make that choice. It also means you have to get up and make that choice every day. Just because I served him yesterday, today's a new day. 
Just because I made it through yesterday doesn't mean I'm going to make, i got to make a choice. God, I give you my life today. I give you my anxiety today. I give you that discouragement. I give you those depressive thoughts. I choose life today. Servitude. You have a choice. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a choice. you got a choice. Come on, Matt Carmel. you got a choice. you got a choice. Number two, second part, that liberty means confinement. Freedom from confinement. Freedom from confinement. What does that mean? Freedom from limitation or restrictions. Because confinement means to hold within border or keep within limits. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, the freedom from limitation or restrictions. What does that mean? Luke one thirty seven says, with God, nothing is impossible. <laughs> Here's another thing that happens. Here's what the enemy will try and tell us, that whatever you're facing is too big, it will never change, it's too impossible. What's happening in our society, it's overwhelming, it's everywhere, it's on the news, it's on publications, it's on social media, but I need to tell somebody that nothing is impossible with God. I'm free from confinement. I will not be restricted. I will not be limited to what I logically think could possibly happen. And nothing is impossible with God. But you got to stand fast in that thought process because the enemy will try and rob that from you. He'll bring circumstance around and say, oh, man, there's no way you're getting out of this. There's no way that's going to happen. Look what's happening in the world. There's no way it'll ever change. Hey, the body of Christ, we got to keep our faith alive. That we're not going to be held in confinement. Jesus gave us liberty from limitations and restrictions. Got to have unlimited thinking. Not in your ability, not in my ability. I got to have unlimited thinking in Jesus. First century church persecuted every single day, fearing for their life. Women and children and everybody being thrown in prison. What's going to happen? One day. Jesus says, I'll take care of this. Saul on his way to Damascus to throw some more people in prison. Bah! Jesus shows up. All of a sudden, Saul, who's threatening everyone, here's what I'm going to do, fear, la, 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 limits, constriction. All of a sudden, Saul meets Jesus. And all Saul could say was, Lord, what do you want me to do? Everything changed in one day. If you will study your Bible right after that, the Bible says that the church had peace and it began to grow and increase. Why? Because Jesus met a person that nobody said could be saved. Nothing could change that person. A strong voice of influence against God all of a sudden became the strongest voice of influence for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Oppression, the third one, oppression. God's redeemed us liberty. He gave us liberty from oppression. Here's what oppression is. Unjust or cruel exercise of authority or power. Is any of that going on in our world today? Unjust. I speak to my black brothers and sisters, anyone of a minority. God says you, he has died to give you liberty from unjust exercise of authority or power. I'm telling you, to white brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter. We're, we're all in the same place that Christ gave us liberty. He gave us liberty from unjust. That means to the Christian, he's given you liberty from unjust use of authority or power. Christians, be ready. Be ready. We're coming into a season and time where the Bible's starting to play out right before our eyes. And we've, been, we've had it easy. We've been able to sit, we've been able to sit in our church. 
And we've been able to sit in here and not have our services, but, but I'm telling you, there's coming a time, and that's what I believe God's calling me to speak about living in our liberty, because Christians need to know the liberty that's been given to them by God, because some people's going to try and tell you, at some point, you don't have liberty, and you've got to be able to say, oh, I got liberty. You may not think I have liberty, but Jesus has given me liberty. We've got to walk in it. Because what happens if some people start saying you can't do this and you can't do that, then what are you going to do? It could happen. Unjust use of authority or power. As long as it's them, whoever them is, another country, another place, but what if it happens to you? I'm telling you right now, you've been given liberty. You've been liberty. Freedom from authority because you have authority. Luke 10, 19 says this, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Church, we got to remember we have authority. We have authority. We have authority. Church of Jesus Christ, we have authority. We have authority over principalities and powers and over all the rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. we got to pray, live, and talk like we have authority. Don't whine and, be, and go back into a corner and suck our thumbs say, what are we going to do? We come out and say, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're going to pray. We're going to tear down strongholds. Every time I open my mouth, miracles start coming out. Walls come crashing down. This is the life of a believer. This is why it's the best time to be a Christian. <laughs> liberty, liberty, liberty. He's given us liberty. Notice what it says. Stand fast, therefore. Stand fast, therefore. Oh, Jesus. In the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Who made us free? Christ. Christ. Look what it says in the Passion Translation. It says, let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. Now listen, if I would say, preach this message in China, and you say, hey, my brothers and sisters, Christ the anointed one has set us free. But they're still in underground and secrecy trying to live out life as a Christian, but they walk around knowing that they are free in Christ. I may not be free in public, but I'm free in Christ. There's some people that are free in public, but they're in bondage in private. But there's some people that are, oh, Jesus. There's some people that are in bondage in public, but inside in private, they are free from all that. And that's what God says. The anointed one has set us free. Christ has set us free. You notice if Jesus has set us free, Jesus does not have a D or an R behind his name. Who's the anointed one? Jesus. Who came to set the captives free? Jesus. Who's the hope for our nation? Jesus. It's not a political party. Maybe I'll sit down for that one. I'll sit down for that one. Because we don't, we, don't we don't simply just have a political problem in our country that's going to be solved by a political party. Because we've been having the same problem for a number of political parties in all kinds of different levels of authority on the local level, at the, at the city level, at the state level, at the national level. All kinds of different parties have been in power in all these different areas, and we still have the same problem. So it's not the party that's the, the problem. It's Jesus is the answer to the problem, and we have to focus our life on that. We have a sin problem that can only be solved by a Savior. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, so now, the truth Look what it says there in the Passion Translation. It says, he set us free. We must always cherish this truth 
and stubbornly refuse to go back into bondage of our past. The truth. The truth brings freedom. Here's what I want to say today. One of the things. Christ has made us free. What makes us free? It is the truth. The truth. Jesus said this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through but by me, by me. I'm, I got some help over here in this corner. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, buddy. Preach it, David. Come on. See it? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. Jesus is the truth. I am wholeheartedly committed to one name, and that name is Jesus. I am wholeheartedly going to follow and support one agenda. That's the agenda of heaven, the agenda of Jesus. That's what I'm encouraging with. John 8, 31 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now hold up. Here's what he said. If you are my disciples, he said, You will abide in my word. And if you abide in my word, you will know the truth. And if you know that truth, it will make you free. Here's the problem. We're getting our truth from this. We're scanning. We're scanning through our feed every day, getting truths from everyone, from Facebook, who has an agenda, Instagram, who has an agenda, the news media, who has an agenda. We're scanning, get our truth from them. And the Bible says, if you're my disciples, put the feed down, pick up my word, and abide in my word. Because if you know my word, you will be free. I'm not going to be free if I know what they say, and they say, and they say, and they say. But if I know what he says, I can walk in freedom in my heart. I don't, I don't know the, I don't always know what the agenda of what's behind what they say, but I know the agenda of what's behind what he says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whatever color you are, will believe in him. You will not perish, but you will have eternal life. That's the agenda of God. That's the agenda of heaven to reconcile this world because he paid the price for sin. Stand fast. Stand fast in the truth. He said, now, Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So if, if the truth, let me say this. If the truth makes us free, what is the opposite of freedom? The opposite of freedom is bondage. So he says, do not be entangled again. Entangled. Get the picture? You're like held together. You're ensnared. You're, you're under the control of something. You're getting tripped up. You can't move. You're entangled. I'm restricted. I'm confined. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So if the lie is freedom, what is the yoke of bondage? Or sorry, if the truth is freedom, what is the yoke of bondage? It is the, the lie, the opposite of the truth. So if the truth in my heart brings me freedom, what will bring me into bondage? The lie. A lie. A lie brings us into bondage. Now, here's how the enemy works. Let's go, let me jump ahead to verse 7. Verse 7. It says, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, the word hinder there means to beat or drive back, to impede or prevent. To impede or prevent. So you ran well. If you're running well, I'm not talking about running in place, but if the scripture says you ran well, what are you doing? You're making progress, right? You're moving forward. You ran well. You were, you were going, man. You, you're running well. 
You ran away. Who hindered you? Who stopped you? You're running. Now, I'm not making progress. Anybody ever been there in your life that you were going good? You had a season in your life. I'm doing, I'm on fire. I'm making progress. I'm hearing from God. Things are going well. Then all of a sudden, boom, something happens. Circumstance in your life that you could control, maybe one that you couldn't control. Maybe it's a thought that came to your life. Maybe it's something that happened. Something hindered you or prevented you. You were making progress. You're doing well. But who hindered you? Who prevented you? Who stopped you? Here's what happens. Here's what happens. We can make progress in our life, but the enemy is out to stop our progress. He's going to try and prevent you and hinder you from moving forward in your marriage in your job, in your health, in whatever situation in your life as a child, in, in your career, all these areas, who hindered you? How does he hinder you? Here's how it starts. I've seen it over and over and over again. Number one, it starts with a thought. I'm running well. All of a sudden, you get a thought. A thought about what someone said. A thought about what someone posted, but didn't put your name on it, but you put your name on it. You ever put your name on someone else's thought when they didn't put your name on it? Oh, they're talking to me. How do you know? Oh, I know. That was at me. That's an attack. That's a shot over the bow right there. I know they're coming at me. So we, we have a thought. And if we don't take that thought captive, we start. that leads to thinking. A thought will not bring me into bondage. Thinking brings me into bondage. Because thinking is when I meditate on a thought. If I have a thought that comes into my mind that says, my wife, here's what she meant by that when she said that. Who she thinks it? And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not what she said. Nope, that's not. When I take that thought captive and throw it away, it doesn't bring me into bondage. But when I think about it and I piggyback that with a thought I had about her two days ago, we start stockpiling our thoughts. We start bringing in last week, two months ago, we start meditating on it. I saw this. So we start having, we start thinking about it. That thinking turns into a belief. Once we believe something, then that, that convinces us, and now that begins to affect our behavior. So our behavior is affected by our belief. So we have a thought that turns into thinking, that turns into a belief, that turns into a behavior. This is how the enemy holds us captive. This is how he entangles us with a lie. He tells you something that's not true. And if we think about it long enough, he'll bring some circumstantial evidence around you to convince you that it's true, even though it's a lie. And then we believe it, and once we believe it, then we start acting according to the lie. And God say, listen, if you're going to change the behavior of our world, it has to start with a new thought that leads to new thinking, that leads to a new belief, that leads to new behavior. That's what's going to have to happen. So he says, who hindered you? Who hindered you? Who hindered you? Do you remember that happened in the Garden of Eden? you remember when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and they hid from God? And, they, and God came looking for him. Hey, Adam, Eve, where are you guys at? I said, we're, we're hiding. We're, we're afraid because we're naked. And, and God said, who told you? Who? Who hindered you? Who lied to you? Who told you that's the way that you're going to be stuck with the rest of your life? Who hindered you? Notice what it says. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. 
This word persuasion means communication to convince, induce, or persuade. Here's the question I have for you, question I have for myself. This persuasion that has affected your walk with God, that has affected your faith, affected your marriage, affected your belief system, affected what you think about your kids, this persuasion did not come from him who calls you. We're being persuaded by the wrong voices. We're getting inundated through social media, through the news, with voices trying to persuade us and convince us to believe a certain way. And God is saying, wait a minute, this voice that persuades you, it didn't come from him who calls you. you got to check your persuasion. Why am I so depressed? Check your persuasion. Why do I feel that way about myself? Check your persuasion. Why do I feel that way about the world? Check your persuasion. Whoever persuaded you to believe that way, it did not come from him who calls you. Because I know the thoughts that I think of you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's my persuasion. That's what God says. This persuasion that we have, it didn't come from him. It doesn't come from God. I'm telling you, God's wanting to persuade us to remember as sons and daughters of God that he's called us to live above the fray, to live above offense. Yes. Mm, this persuasion to be offended at that person, who, who did it come from? He said, it didn't come from me. This persuasion to think that way about yourself, it didn't come from me. That persuasion to think that you're never going to make it, that didn't come from me. We need to be persuaded by a new voice, a new voice, a new truth. But here's what's happening. It's happening in our world. Matthew 24, 24. Mm, I got to get to this point. I, I, let me preface this way. The reason I'm talking about some of the things that I'm talking about is because I believe our society uh, is in a place where the church needs to be prepared. I want to speak very candidly because I believe we're in a time and a season in the, in the scope of prophetic history. I'm not just saying we're in the end times. That's a very generic statement. I'm just saying we are in the times where biblical prophecy is starting to be played out at a more rapid pace. You're going to start to see some things coming about very soon. And I want the church to be ready. I don't, want to, I don't want to prepare a church that's passively hoping we'll be zapped out before anything gets difficult. I want to prepare a body of believers that's ready to walk through hell and high water to defend the name of Jesus Christ. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what we'll have to walk through. I don't know what we'll have to go through. I don't care. I want to be prepared that whatever happens, we're going to stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And we're not going to be duped. We're not going to be placated into these arguments that are beneath the cause of Christ. And we're going to lead people to the name of Jesus. Because the world's looking for some hope. It's looking for some leaders. It's looking to the church. Where's the church? Matthew 24, 24 says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. This is why I'm talking about it. Because be ready. Deception is on the loose. In society. People in the name of this and the name of that are deceiving Christians right and left. I don't even know who to trust anymore. I don't know what preachers to trust anymore. I, I have information that some pastors, and it's credible information, some pastors have been receiving financial incentive to stay closed. So, so when I understand that and and, and and there's receiving, oh, Jesus, what do I let up? Incentive 
to take certain positions and to say certain things. And, and I'm looking and like, wait, wait a minute, who do, who do I trust anymore? And Jesus said, this is what you trust. Keep your nose in my word and let me speak to you. Don't put your faith in man. Don't put your faith in people. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. So I say to you, don't follow me unless I'm following Christ. As Paul said, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. If I stop imitating Christ, drop me and keep Christ. Because here's what's happening, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Oh, Jesus. It says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will never have any problems. Praise the Lord. Is that what it says? Oh, no, it's not what it says. All those who live godly in Christ, who desire to live godly in Christ, will suffer what? I'm going to say this. It's not grammatically correct, but it's the way that I just naturally speak. We ain't seen nothing yet. Persecution for the church? You think we're oblivious? The, oh, man, I, I got to come back to that. Remind me to come back to that, okay? But look what it says. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's what's happening. It's going to happen through politics because it's going to try and deceive people into social issues that are not supported by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's going to get people coming off the gospel to make their decisions, and they're going to get onto social platforms to make their positions, and we're going to lose sight of the true, genuine word of God because we're, we're duped into thinking it's going to come through just social reform. It's going to come through godly reform that's going to lead people to bring social justice, but it starts with the church. Be deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have. Listen to this part. Come on. Listen. But you must <laughs> but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. I want my children to know that the truth is in the word of God. Their hope is in the word of God. They will be deceived if they put down the Bible and they keep up their Twitter and Instagram feed. They will be told to post this and post that, retweet this and retweet that, and not know what the word of the Lord is for their life. We can't be biblically illiterate in this time and this hour. We have to be in tune to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Our struggle in society is not a black versus white problem, not a Democrat versus Republican problem, not a liberal versus conservative problem. It is a good versus evil problem. That's it. That's it. And I'm not saying which is good and which is evil. I'm saying that is the construct of the eternal issue in the heavenlies. God, the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. Good versus evil. I will align myself with whosoever will align themselves with Jesus. But if they won't align themselves with Jesus, I don't care what letter they attach to their name and what they promise me. I am going to stick with Jesus. So it's what we have to have our hearts set on. Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The Bible tells you this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Without the armor of God, we're susceptible. You got to put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil because we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day. Guess what? We're in that evil day and having done all to stand, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. This persuasion this persuasion doesn't come from him who calls you. I, I want to encourage you with this. 
Many people don't believe something is true unless they see it on the news. Or they see it on social media. I'm going to say this with, with all the love. And if, again, I said this when I started this last week. And we talked a lot about racial injustice and stuff. And I said last week, I didn't come to make friends. And I'm not coming to make friends today. I'm coming to speak the truth as I feel like God has put on my heart. Because my concern is for, for the generations, for, for people, and for our society. I care about what's happening in the African-American community, what's happening in, in, uh, in any minority community. I care what's happening to the Jew. I care, compare what's happening to, to my Christian brothers in Africa that are getting murdered for their faith. I, I, I'm concerned for all of those. So now, th what we have to be careful about is who, where our persuasion comes from. Here's what's after. And I... We'll be very careful on how we, how we say this in the end. Many people, they're getting their truth from what happens on a feed, and they're just getting posts. Listen to me. Every media outlet has an agenda. If you don't believe that, there's just some things that you're not clicking on. And you may agree with that agenda. I'm just saying at least admit it has an agenda. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google has an agenda, has a political agenda. MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, they all have a political agenda. It does. You can, I watch the same things that happen. I watch the same event, and I'll watch it on three, the three different networks. And each one of those networks will present that same situation from a totally different perspective. And you may agree with one of those perspectives, that's fine. I'm just telling you, let's all just admit there is an agenda being presented. Because the anchor will set up a question. And they will pose it this way, so that when you're watching it, well, that's right. That's right. They're framing thinking. They're framing thinking. And this is what's happening. The enemy is out to frame our thinking, not based on this, but based on this. He's out to frame the way we think and look at society. This is not, this is not anything new. You may have heard of a word called propaganda. propaganda. Here's what propaganda is. By definition, by definition, biased information designed to shape public opinion and behavior. Is that going on? Biased information with one purpose, to shape public opinion and behavior, to shape it. Let me tell you something. One of Hitler's first acts as chancellor when he took over, I wondered this, I wondered how in the world could democratic Germany, it was a democracy after the first world war, how could a democratic country turn into such a socialist dictatorship that actually executed and allowed and passively let Jews be burned and gassed. How did that happen? Democracy. Hail Hitler. How did it make that transition? It happened intentionally. It happened intentionally. Here's what Hitler did when he took over one of his first positions as the Reich Ministry of Public Enlightenment and Propaganda was to destroy free press. He shut down hundreds of opposition newspapers demonstrating his belief that controlling the information was as important as controlling the military and the economy. 
He appointed Joseph Gables as director, and through Gables, he was able to penetrate virtually every form of German media. This is how he influenced the people, from newspapers, film, radio, posters, rallies, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, museum exhibits, school textbooks, Nazi propaganda. In 1924, Adolf Hitler said this, propaganda is a truly terrible weapon in the hands of an expert. Hitler's strategy in changing the nation, he said, be limited to a very few points and harp on these slogans until the last member of the public understands what you want them to understand by your slogan. Keep it short, keep it simple. Say it over and over and over and over and over until the people just go, okay, that's right. That's what he did. Short slogans. Not a lot of detail. Here's what's happening. And, it, and it happened. Hitler used this strategy. Hitler targeted youth organizations, university students, and he instructed teachers. He brought in thousands of young teachers and started changing from the school age. He started indoctrinating them into the Nazi theology. The goal was not to encourage independent thinking, even though that's what they said. They told the young German students, said, listen, don't think like your parents. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new world view. The old is past. There's a new Germany. There's a new Germany. The point wasn't freedom of thought for the young generation. The, the point was to frame the young thought into their ideology. It's the same thing happening today. Don't think like your parents. Don't think like the church, that Bible, that church. It's old-fashioned. There's a new society. There's a new world order. There's a new way of thinking. No, it's bringing you into bondage. The ones who promise you freedom are the same ones that's going to chain you up. Oh, I got to talk. That's next week, next week, next week. So listen, listen. I remember when this coronavirus first started and we kept it open one week longer than what we were told to. I said, you can't have church. And we said, we're going to have it anyway until someone makes a stop. And someone sent me a Facebook message and said, Chad, I'm a little concerned about you. You really need to be on the right side of this thing. Don't you want to be on the right side? And I get where they're coming from, from their perspective. And my answer to them then and my answer now is absolutely I want to be on the right side. The question is, what is the right side? Let me tell you what the right side is. Joshua chapter 5, this is where we close. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. This was actually an angel. And Joshua went to him, and here's what he said. Are you for us or for our adversaries? And so he said, no. Wait a minute. What was the question? <laughs> the, the question was, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Are you for the Democrats or are you for the Republicans? What did the angel of the Lord say? No. But he said this, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. In other words, the question isn't which side am I on. The question is which side are you on? Because I am from the army of the Lord. I'm the only side that matters. You can quibble about you and your adversaries, but I come representing heaven. The only side that matters. That's what he's telling us. So I say to us, 
I say to us, which side are we going to be on? I will be on Jesus' side. Do we have to vote? Do we have to do? Yes, we have to do all those things. But I'm going to be on Jesus' side. Next week, I'm going to talk about the layers of what we're walking through. And the reason I'm giving this detail is because I want our church to be prepared. That we're going to have to walk out some difficult situations. I'm not in this again for everybody to think, whoa, Chad, that's great. Because some people are not going to think I'm great. I'm stepping into things that I know I'm going to suffer persecution for. But I'm going to speak the truth as I, as I feel like God has given it to me. But here's what I'm want to, wanting to us to remember. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.